0: Welcome to the Investment Turnaround. In this podcast series, Dr. Mariana Bosazan interviews world-renowned investors, scientists, and other personalities who share their solutions toward the sustainable transformation of our financial systems. Our guest today is Dr. Vala Kristin Ragnastotter. She's a full member in the International Club of Rome and Professor of Sustainability Science at the University of Iceland. Her work focuses on evaluating natural resources, particularly food security and soil sustainability, as well as the blossoming of circular and well-being economies. Within this context, she's developing structures and key performance indicators that ensure the development of sustainable communities
1: how have you become such a force for good in the world? What happened in your life that put you on this path? And how do you manage to do
2: this all? Um, This has sort of happened uh, um, one step at a time. Um, It it seems to me looking at, uh, you know, getting, getting invited to be members of academies once one does it, Others think, oh, you know, maybe this person is worthy uh, being invited to be a member. Um, and there was some some sort of a turnaround uh, for me around the year 2000, then I sort of went away from my uh, traditional scientific work, which was on um, environmental pollution and behavior of uh, pollutants in the environment, Um, To uh, sustainability and trying to figure out how we could uh, live sustainably on this planet. And then, around uh, then, I met people from the Schumacher Society in the UK, and they became my mentors on sustainability. And through going to Schumacher lectures, which were held in Bristol, where I was working at the time and uh, going to be the Change Conferences in London and, and reading masses of uh, books and articles. I uh, sort of developed into an expert on on sustainability, which uh, is a subject that didn't exist when I was a student. And uh, in 2008, I was uh, invited to become a member of the Balaton Group, and, and then after that, the uh, Club of Rome came after, you know, going to a meeting with the Club of Rome and other organizations. Um, so then club, uh, as a representative of the Palaton Group. So, you know, once you sort of have a step into uh, one of these organizations, then, then you seem to start being noticed by others. But I'm no longer the vice president of the Palaton Group, but I uh, uh, stepped down from that last year.
1: Okay. so uh, But personally, how did you open up to this world-centric level of consciousness? It's not a normal thing that people do. How did your awareness open up
2: to caring for the planet? It was um, as a result of a conversation with uh, the then president of the Schumacher Society in the UK, uh, who has now passed away, he was called Richard St. George. And we were at a a birthday party uh, of my neighbor and and he was there and and I had never met him before. And uh, so when we sort of ran out of conversation, uh, when we were talking to another neighbor of mine, I knew. And she left, I said to him, so what do you do? And he said, well, you know, I work on sort of environmental issues. And I said, well, so do I. And then we started talking and I realized that I was working on environmental issues at an atomic level. I was using synchrotron uh, radiation to determine the strict structure and coordination of pollutants and water and on mineral surfaces. But he was working on the whole planet. So he was looking into how can we live sustainably on this planet, and I was looking at, uh, <laughs> yeah, the environmental issues from a on a on a very different scale. And uh, I actually had a sort of a shock. I spent the whole summer looking at my uh, uh, computer screen. I I didn't know where to go next. Um, I, was, I realized that I had lost the view of the big picture. And, and then through many conversations with Richard and, and his colleagues and people in the Schumacher Society in Bristol, uh, I came to realize that, that I wanted to um, join this sustainability um, crowd. Um, I have found that the academic crowd was uh, very restrictive and and very boxed in, Um, even though through my career I have sort of dipped into many different aspects of of, uh, earth sciences and geochemistry because I I like to go and figure out how things work and then when I figure it out I go and do something else. and i decided that you know i needed to find myself a niche in this um in this uh, new field and uh, the first two things i started looking at was um, soil because i realized that very few people were focusing on soil and we would, it was being degraded uh, really fast and, and nobody knew how fast it was being formed so i formulated a research group within the eu to actually look look into these issues, you know, how fast are soils forming and how fast are they degrading? Um, And then also I became aware that we would never live sustainably on this planet if we didn't have sustainable communities. And I formulated another research group looking at a framework for sustainable communities. So this is all happened um, after the year 2000
1: yeah so so take us further to the top tenets of um, of your work what what are the other key performance indicators that you're working on and how can we as investors our our audience are investors and entrepreneurs so what are the what kind of advice can you give give us uh when we invest or build companies? In, in terms of you know, what direction should we look in, in, in trying to implement uh, yeah, sustainable societies or civilizations or businesses for that matter?
2: I, I think that the, the, key, the key to sustainability now is to completely restructure the economic system. Uh, so this is what I have been working on um, in the last uh, year or so. Um, comparing different new economic frameworks, uh, from um, the uh, sufficiency economy in Thailand to uh, the regenerative economy, uh, which John Holston is promoting, to uh, the well-being economy that arose sort of a group that I was working with uh, with many Club of Rome members in 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 Bhutan. Uh, and has now risen into a worldwide network called the Wellbeing Economy Alliance, I think all investment should be directed into uh, regenerated, um, either nature or communities or both. And uh, so another thing that I have been working on um, as an advisor is to an organization called um, The Ecological Sequestration Trust, um, and they are now working uh, towards finding uh, capital. They call it resilience broker program um, to uh, retrofit uh, cities and urban areas into being sustainable and achieve the sustainable development goals. And they have managed to find a lot of. capital which had had not found any way to uh, being invested uh, because people hadn't found the right projects. But uh, a lot of people are now becoming excited about putting uh, funding into uh, retrofitting uh, urban areas and cities to become sustainable. Um, And then we also need to completely uh, change our agricultural systems. We need to go away from these industrial uh, agricultural systems to um, uh, agroecology, uh, agro uh, learning from ecology to to uh, grow our crops and and run our farms as opposed to just pouring um, fertilizers on the land, which are and pesticides, which are destroying our soil and. There has been a lot of um, talk recently about the insects um, disappearing um, there's a study from from germany and and from and britain and 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 elsewhere which shows that the insects have probably decreased by seventy eighty percent in the last thirty or forty years or so and all of this can be uh traced towards the effects of, of pesticides and, and, and the uh, destruction of, of uh, the ecological areas where, where they had their habitats.
1: Yeah, so I know that together with your husband, you're also an investor and in you're building companies and so on. What uh, areas do you particularly invest in and, and why and how?
2: well I must say that the, the um the company building an investment is 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 uh is my husband I haven't really gotten involved in that what he what he does is he uh builds companies that are working towards uh something good uh, generating uh local jobs looking at, looking at uh all the capitals you know not only the The industrial or or the sorry. So we were talking about investment. Um.
1: Yeah, the question was the question is how can we invest with having a different mindset on capital return? And you were um, actually expanding on the various definitions of capital.
2: I think that um, in the in the different economic frameworks, people have been looking only at societal capital, um, uh, economic capital, and natural capital, and and sometimes also infrastructure or built capital. But um, I discovered something called the wisdom economy this spring, um, which is built on the integral theory, um, where um, uh, Sean Espern harkins uh, recommends that we look at 10 capitals so that we can have more uh, impact. Um, And I think it's very important to look at, uh, if if you're investing in a company, uh, which capitals do they actually treasure and which ones are they cultivating? And it's also important to think about um, having uh, patient capital, not only looking into something where you can have a big return on investment uh, in the next quarter, but where you can have a a, a return on investment after uh, some years, but at the same time, you have either been building up nature or or, uh, uh, the community.
1: Right, so you you're clearly also an integral thinker, which is what uh, what we have in common here yep. um, what what are common mistakes investors, entrepreneurs business people politicians and so on do that y- you would recommend we, we avoid given all your your philosophy moving forward in order to implement the transformation what are the the most Common mistakes people do.
2: I think uh, people have, have have little knowledge of the the world economic system. They do not realize that uh, the world is being driven by cheap oil, and uh, uh, and they have only been focusing on economic growth. Um, And every politician seems to be very happy when we have some economic growth, you know, whether it's 3.5% or 1.7, you know, it's all positive. What they don't realize is that at the same time, um, if you have uh, more capital flowing through the system this year than last year, then we are also uh, putting pressure on our uh, natural resources and, and our environment. And therefore, we start need to start to measure what matters, um, so that we will not completely destroy our planet and 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 uh, attempt to build an economic system within the planetary boundaries. Because at the moment we are living way beyond the the uh, boundaries of the planet, um, and and this is the reason why the ecosystems are declining and the natural resor- uh, resources are. Uh, becoming scarce.
1: Right. So now when it comes down to, you know, taking your own money in, 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 or, you know, money that other people have given you to invest, how can we find or where should people go to find advice as to how to change the system? How can we move from a traditional for-profit-only orientated investment or business or the entire economy is driven by that toward a more integrally sustainable one? Where can we get advice? Where can we begin to shift?
2: This is not really my area of expertise, but it's my uh, understanding um, that the impact investment community is growing. Um, there are individual uh, investors and, and there are families, uh, especially the the the, ch- uh, the children or the grandchildren of those who have built up the family wealth who want to see a different world <coughs> um, and there are uh, banks who are now and uh, uh, um, yeah looking into how they can help um, such people uh, invest their money in something they they are um, that they are happy with. Uh, there is also the the new uh, technology, blockchain, where you can actually then uh, that you can use to trace um, where the investment goes and who who is involved. Um, there is also the new you know digging for currencies. Although I'm I'm yeah not an expert on that again, but apparently. Those who have looked carefully into this seem to think that that is uh, not a worse way than having banks uh, printing money. So there's a lot of uh, new developments, I think, which people need to uh, look into and and then and look for uh, advisors that that are able to give advice on 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 impact investments.
1: Right. So you have. You just told me about this um, enlightenment movement, the new enlightenment movement that you started in Iceland. Can you tell us more about it? I believe that this is a very good way of really providing providing a network where people can join forces and um, guide each other in, in the right direction. Can you tell us a little bit about your new initiative on this?
2: Yes, I just noticed that my computer is running out of charge, so I'm gonna plug it in. <laughs> I think everything that could go wrong went wrong here, Aunt Marianne. I'm sorry.
1: No problem. (laughs) We can edit the text. Yeah, I
2: know. My son is on podcasts all the time and has his own (laughs) podcast. Okay, so where were we? Yeah, the New Enlightenment in Iceland. Yes. This summer, I read a book by a fellow Club of Rome member uh, called Thomas Bjorkman, which he wrote with, uh, he is Swedish, Lene Andersson, who is Danish, which was about how did the Nordic countries, who were some of the poorest countries in Europe in the 19th century, become the countries that they are today with, with sort of um, seminal uh, social, social systems and uh, welfare systems for all citizens, and basically most countries want to be like the Nordic countries, and they started looking into what actually happened in the Nordic countries at that time. Um, and they came to the conclusion that what had happened was the enlightenment from uh, Germany and, and France and, and uh, the U- uh, Scotland had come over to um, Copenhagen, particularly with connections with Germany. And um, salons were being held by, by women, as they had been in Paris and, and other cities in Europe, where they discussed the where they discussed the uh, new thinking uh, that had started in europe and uh, these discussions were held in salons in copenhagen um and and it led to uh, the formulation of of volkehaus uh, these are like folk high schools, which were where young people could come and discuss new ideas. There were no exams. They stayed for three to six months. Uh, they discussed uh, all the new thinking that was, had, was coming from Europe. And they went home from staying in these uh, folk high schools uh, with, with their horizons largely broadened from being uh, just aware of being uh, farmers' uh, t- children. To being aware of being a, a part of a whole nation. And so they became um proud Danes and then this moved to Norway and Sweden and Finland also, or proud Norwegians, or if not also proud Nordic people, because there was a lot of connection between these uh Nordic high schools um, at the time. And and so by the end of the 19th century, um so in the in about f- forty-five years or so, they had built hundreds of these schools around um, the Nordic countries, and this lifted, as I said before, their awareness. Um, they they were not now only proud of being uh, proud proud uh, um, farmers' children, but proud of being a part of the of 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 their own country or or the Nordic region. And they've started the um, the co-op movement. They started libraries. They started all sorts of uh, discussion groups. And this is what led to what Scandinavia is is uh, proud of now. You know, Nordic design and and a lot of um, modern agriculture, which is what Denmark is still based um, um, built on um and after reading this and, and actually, in the last chapter of the nordic secret uh it suggested that we need a new uh building or enlightenment to happen in um in the world so that we uh now lift our awareness even higher so we care about humanity and um and the planet as a whole uh as well as future generations so I decided that the easiest way for me to start would be to start having such salon discussions in Iceland. And, and I, I mentioned this on a, a TV interview, um, that this is what we needed to do. And I would start such a movement in Iceland. And, and then after saying it on national TV, I of course, had to do something. So I called a meeting who, to anybody interested. And, and we have already had now two discussions at, um, in my home. and. We were having another one this uh, this uh, week, um, and then uh, I also met an American woman who who uh, is an expert on holding Jeffersonian dinners. Uh, Jeff, Thomas Jefferson held dinners, which were uh, very famous for bringing together people who then, you know, came up with new ideas and 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 sort of lifted the the American society to. Um, from from being from you know after the after the uh, revolution, so um, now I'm sort of um, comparing and contrasting which um, method might be better, or whether you know just having both is is okay. Because um, to the Jeffersonian thinkers, I've I invited people specifically for that knowledge. Um, I'm sorry, I'm on another call. Um, yeah, so, um, or maybe, you know, having both is, is, is okay. And then you can compare and contrast what comes out of it. But basically my whole idea is that I think we need to have such discussions, um, um, across the globe because now we need to return, um, uh, and change the way we live, uh, uh, quite dramatically, um, in, uh, in the next few years. You know, if we are going to achieve reducing the consumption in the Western world and, and lifting up the developing countries uh, above poverty and, and hunger, uh, some major changes are needed, and and we we do not have a window of opportunity which is very uh, long. Uh, actually, reading the latest uh, WWF reports and the 1.5 reports from the IPCC. Uh, we need to have uh, a shift in our operations uh, by 2020. That's in a year's time. And we need to reduce our uh, CO2 emissions by 50% by 2030. So these are big changes that we need to um, go through. And if we don't do it collectively, um, it will be a very difficult to achieve.
1: Right. So the question is, how can we... Generate bo- both bottom up and top down initiatives that will accelerate that development.
2: If the only, transformation. If only I had this, uh, the answer to this magic <laughs> wand <laughs> question. Um, I think we need to try to um, excite people. I, I, I can I can state from my experience and in teaching at the university level that students think very differently now from the way they thought 10 years ago. Um, they really want the change. Um, they, they do not want the same lifestyle that uh, their parents had. They, they want uh, to, they don't want to live in big houses or have fancy cars, they want to live Near the city city center in a small flat, or even in communal um, um, uh, accommodation, uh, and have experiences. And they are, they uh, are very much against all this unnecessary consumption. So I think we need to uh, work with young people because uh, they can hopefully absorb some of the wisdom coming from the 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 elderly like us but and and then come up with some new innovations that are very desperately needed
1: yes the the, one question before the last where can people go and learn more about your work
2: (laughs) well um most of most of the uh, the work that I have done has been published in academic papers um, the The work on the new economies and and the new enlightenment is something that's so new that i haven't really it hasn't really been published but some that some of that may change uh, hopefully will change uh, next year um I'm also working on a website uh, where I will be able to uh, uh yeah put some of some of the uh work that I have been doing on this in this field because I realized that you need a a different type of um, dissemination for this type of work than for academic work
1: do you have a twitter feed or um or a facebook page where people can go
2: yeah yeah my have I'm I'm on facebook under my full name kristin vala and i um Tweet at Kristin Mala.
1: Okay. How do you want to be remembered? And what kind of impact do you want to leave behind? Your legacy.
2: I uh, would like to be remembered as somebody who helped to lead change towards a sustainable planet. And uh, this is something I have thought about uh, a lot for the last almost 20 years. But I d- don't think that I really found um, the way on, of how to have an impact until I came down on this idea that uh, we need a new enlightenment. So I would like to be an, an, you know, remembered as to somebody who contributed to the new enlightenment for the 21st century.
1: Well, what a beautiful vision. Well, thank you so much for being with us, Vala. It's been a great pleasure. Uh, you are a true inspiration. Thank you. And uh, we'll see each other around.
2: Yes. Yeah, I look forward to that.
1: And get well soon. I'm um, I'm really sorry that I, I bugged <laughs> you with your coarse voice. Yeah, to... I
2: didn't really not realize that it would be so difficult for me to speak for so long. But here we are.
1: Well, yeah. Thank you so much, anyways. Uh, have a wonderful evening and good luck with you. I'll see you around at the Club of Rome. Bye bye.
0: To learn more about Dr. Ragnar's daughter, follow her on Twitter at Kristinvala, that's K R I S T I N V A L A, or on Facebook. For more on Dr. Bosazan and the investment turnaround, visit investment turnaround.com. Hear you next time.